Yes, hello. This is episode 95 of the Ultra Culture Podcast. Welcome back. Do Democrats eat babies? It is improbably a question that uh, has been on everyone's mind uh, for the last couple years. Uh, and the topic of this show is actually not whether Democrats eat babies, but obviously they do, but conspiracy theories and how ridiculous they are and how uh, so much of the world has become wrapped up in them. Uh, perhaps some of your own friends or relatives, or perhaps even you, it's okay. We all get a little uh, nutty from time to time. It's It's perfectly fine. But I wanted to do an episode about conspiracy theories, which is basically something I never talk about um, on the show, uh, because uh, it's something that gets wrapped up in the question of spirituality and spiritual practice all too easily. It's kind of like, particularly if, uh, you know, if you're willing to push the boundary on reality a little bit into, I don't know. Ayurvedic medicine or astrology or, Lord forbid, the occult, uh, you're probably willing to push the boundary in other ways. And all you need to do is look at Facebook to see that um, sometimes even like granola, uh, granola moms are the most susceptible to things like the dreaded QAnon conspiracy theory. So, uh, like many of you, I am old enough to remember the 90s. When conspiracy theories were fun, they were still entertaining. They were kind of like uh, a type of folk art is how I always used to think about them. It was really fun to get high with your friends and, you know, talk about whether the Illuminati were ruling the world and things like this. And this is when, you know, like Robert Anton Wilson books were still coming out and uh, he was a writer who made, you know, the pursuit of looking up crazy conspiracy theories, really fun and entertaining and kind of an exercise in, uh, you know, imaginative thinking. Really, conspiracy theories at the time were kind of like another form of comic books or science fiction. It was just kind of another fun genre of fantastic literature. So, I don't think people ever really took them that seriously, although it was fun to think about them. These days... That has changed. Now people believe in conspiracy theories so much that they're willing to do things like storm the Capitol and uh, appear on the floor of the Senate uh, wearing a furry, a furry uniform. So uh, I just wanted to maybe put a put a flag in the ground here and say, do I believe in conspiracy theories? Not really. Uh, now, that said, do I believe that there are very powerful people fucking us every day of our lives? Yes. But I think that those answers are the answers to what's really going on. There are often more prosaic and uh, down to earth and often quite grim than conspiracy theories, which are uh, perhaps too, too, uh, off, uh, too into the deep end. So... Because there is so often an overlap between conspiracy thinking and the occult, or as an old friend of mine once put it, uh, conspirituality, uh, she coined that phrase, uh, they, they almost become indistinguishable. I want to share some of my thinking on this from a many decades at this point of interacting with both fields of thought. I, I, I actually used to be the editor. My first job right out of college was as the editor of Disinformation Books, which was a huge conspiracy publisher at the time. And that's how I got my first book on magic published. So I've been around this stuff for a long time. It's important to disentangle these two things. And if I can give you one line to disentangle these two things, very simply, it's this. Conspiracy thinking as a mindset, as a reality tunnel, is really simple. It's looking for reasons to be disempowered. It's looking for reasons to be afraid and explain why you uh, have no power. Well, as we all know as magical thinkers, if you look for something, will you find it? Most definitely, that's how confirmation bias works. Now, Almost 180, in fact, 180 degrees opposite to that is real magic. And that reality tunnel is looking for reasons to be empowered. Any reason, any tool you can get from any 
discipline to advance your way in the world, your true will, your reason for being, that's magic. And it's the complete opposite. So again, if you look for reasons for why you are powerful, why you are empowered, will you find them? Well, you tell me. One of my favorite lines about the about conspiracy theories and the secret people who run the world and the Illuminati was, of course, by Robert Anton Wilson. And when somebody who researched the Illuminati from 1968 when he was an editor at Playboy uh, and people were writing in crazy letters about the Illuminati all the time, who you know ended up writing many novels about the Illuminati and people's theories about them. Somebody at one point asked him who the Illuminati are. And he said, you should always assume that the Illuminati are you and your friends secretly running the world. And I think that's the best take I've ever heard on it. So if I was to offer you one line of disentangling, it's simply that conspiracy theories are looking for disempowerment. Magic is looking for empowerment. Now I will go even further to say that conspiracy thinking is not just inherently disempowering, but it serves the people in power by obfuscating with this kind of miasma of folklore and superstition and fevered madness. Uh, it obscures the actual structures of power in the world. Um, and uh, for instance, uh, corporate power, uh, the ability of people with so with ungodly amounts of money to essentially manipulate the legal system as they wish. Um, you know, the corruption of real world systems. Uh, these are real power structures. And if you really want to find out how they work, don't hang out on QAnon Facebook groups. Go to the public library where you can find it all because I guarantee you it's all in plain sight. Go read books on investigative journalism, go read academic works on, on these subjects. Uh, in many cases, you can go and read the actual documents from um, the powerful people themselves. It's all there for you to find uh, in grim black and white rather than um, shape-shifting reptilian green. So that's what I have to say. And so that's obviously the topic of this episode where I'm talking about the whole QAnon uh, complex and this bizarre urban folklore uh, about Democrats eating babies and secret tunnels underneath pizza restaurants and things like this, uh, all of which is ridiculous and, um, and perhaps dangerous uh, for the reason that it could so easily turn into a new satanic panic. And that everyone who listens to this show could end up being targeted by crazy right-wing Christians um, because they think that you too eat babies and are part of the occult conspiracy to control them and their dog. All right. So we have a fun episode ahead of us. You will greatly enjoy it. And uh, on that on that note, one more one more thing. Are you looking for empowering thinking? Are you looking for ways to become more powerful and more in charge of your reality rather than letting other people run it for you? Are you looking to become more in touch with yourself to become in line with your true will for existing in the world? Can I recommend magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic, mysticism, and meditation, where you can learn a gigantic stack of empowering tools to become the person that you know deep down you are destined to become and to free and disentangle yourself from the many truly disempowering situations and people and complexes that we find ourselves wrapped up in at various times in our life and to free you to be you. You will find all of that at magic.me and uh, it's excellent. Okay, so magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Meet me there and I will see you in class. All right, you're really going to enjoy this show. I definitely did. This is a great conversation with a magic.me student during live office hours, which you can attend if you're a magic.me subscriber and interact live with me and other students. Enjoy the show and I will see you in class.
that these days I hear a lot of people who mention anything having to do with occult sciences at all, Alistair Crowley, they jump immediately into talking about Satanism and sacrifice, human sacrifice. Alistair Crowley doesn't really talk about either one of those things other than tongue-in-cheek. In all my explorations of his stuff, which haven't been extensive, I've never heard him mention anything about either one of those. And I was watching uh, uh, the the uh, Paradise Lost documentaries, J- uh, Damien Eccles, when he was a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen those, but I, I know about them. So you ought to you ought to check that out. But but the um, they had really nothing to pin the murder on him. Uh, but he checked out uh, he checked out one of Crowley's books and read it. And when he he kind of denied it, but when they pulled up the library record that he had in fact checked it out, that was kind of the moment that it all fell apart. His defense completely fell apart. And that's what they put him in in prison for, really, was was reading Crowley, as, as though that were all the evidence they needed to convict him of murder. I listened to, to Ron DeCat talk about it a little bit, too. And, and from what I can understand, there's just no connection. Like, I was reading in The New Yorker, and they said he was, that Jimmy Page, the guitarist, was uh, you know, a disciple of noted Satanist Aleister Crowley. And and I was wondering, you're you're a Crowley scholar. Where is this coming from? Is it just a Christian delusion that everything is automatically, you know, right now that it, politically it's a huge thing to just link every Democrat as being a Satanist, a pedivore, all this kind of stuff. Where is that is that coming from? Is that just a Christian delusion? Do you have anything to say about that? Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like, let me dispel this. I mean, there's no, particularly with any, any, anything. The only time you're going to find stuff connected with the occult that's like anything nasty like that is people, you know, tr- like r- truly nasty people. And, and those are usually not people who are talking, you know, they're, they're like, you know, kids who torture cats and things like that. You know, like it's just totally a non. These are not people who are talking in the public eye. I mean, anyone anyone who takes this stuff seriously understands that what we're talking about is something is the world's spiritual paths. I mean, it's a huge topic. Um, in terms of where the look, I mean, this is primarily an American thing. Uh, America is full of, uh, let's be honest, not particularly intelligent christian heretics right america is is not even really a christian country it is a country of christian heretics who were left or were kicked out of europe for being too wacky i mean america let's america was largely founded by QAnon type people uh hilariously enough so this is nothing new in the 80s we had the satanic panic where everyone was accused of being i don't know if you remember that but everyone interested in this stuff was accused of being a satanist and a pedophile now there's QAnon, and you know like in the in the 60s it was if you do acid you're gonna jump out a window and like all this stuff and it's like like people are just and then take it back we have the witch burnings at the beginning of america so um it's partly a part of it is a wackadoodle Christian thing. Um, and that's not a slight against Christianity. It is a slight against some of the lower IQ members of what Chris Hedges calls uh, uh, Christian heresy. And unfortunately, that is not a class comment because it has nothing to do with um, your your education or your background. A lot of these people are have their fingers on nuclear weapons in America. That's the very scary thing about America. A lot of them are politicians. Um, the QAnon stuff is effing ridiculous. I remember seeing on 4chan when people were planning it as a gigantic troll to mess with boomers, and it definitely worked. So that is like the whole Q thing is a massive troll psyop run by 4chan and 8chan people. It's just a not, and, and it just got out of hand because people are susceptible. Um, the other part of it is that when you see things like the New York Times calling Crowley noted Satanists, I mean, the the this is the other factor here is the sensationalism of the press and to think that the new york times or the guardian is above sensationalism is silly sensationalism is the nature of the news business and that's been the case since forever and it'll always be that way they're looking for and and journalism these days unfortunately it's usually done within 40 minutes so they don't have time to research the spend 15 years researching the entire works of crowley to come up with a measured opinion um because most people are not going to do that. So uh, it just comes down to fear, superstition, people not understanding 
um, uh, you know, uh, being afraid of what they don't understand. And this is something that uh, is just part of the occupational hazard of being interested in this stuff. Unfortunately, the best thing that we can do is be um, at least as I strive to do is just be open and honest and say, this is what it is. Um, and uh, luckily that um, has largely gone well. I've actually never gotten pushback from Christians other than the fact that when my first book, Generation Hex, came out, they made their own one called Generation Hex, The Dangers of Wicca, which was pretty funny. But um, but I, I like Christians. I like Christians a lot more than than most atheists, actually. So um, uh, luckily I've never – So, but I think that it's – Look at look at our culture. Everyone's looking for us, and this has been true of America, uh, human beings since the beginning of human culture. Everyone's looking for a scapegoat, you know. And it just takes different forms. We've got on the right now, we've got QAnon, and every Democrat's a Satanist. And then on the left, we've got cancel culture. Everyone's got to be tried by public opinion for being a human being. Basically, um, it, it's a it's a particularly nasty time right now, particularly because people are so. Uh, anxious and angry and upset because of COVID. They're all looking for someone to blame. Um, and of course, both sides laugh at each other. I mean, the right is, you know, is constantly talking about how awful cancel culture is, which it is. And then on the left, they're talking about, oh, those stupid, dumb QAnon people. You know, it's interesting. And I, I, I sometimes bring up the point about QAnon people. It's like, well, they have the wrong answer, but what are you going to say? People aren't allowed to at least guess about these massive power structures that have control their entire lives. You know, we're talking about powerless people who are looking for an explanation and their explanation is wrong, but what do you expect them to be? Like you have doctorates in political science. So, um, th this issue will probably, I, I don't, I, maybe it won't always be with the occult. I think some of the emotional charge on this stuff is definitely gone. Um, certainly it's much less charged than it was 20 years ago. It's much less charged than it was, um, in the witch burn, you know, nobody gets burned at the stake anymore, right? This is probably because of the internet, uh, because people can be open and also because there's just so much information out there. This is probably the first time in history that people have been able to talk about this stuff openly up till now, you know, you've had to be be in secret societies and be totally quiet about, about it. And like, it's like the mafia and magic.me is largely an experiment in saying, well, what if it's not like that? What if we just talk on zoom about it basically? And there's no hierarchy and there's no, I'm special. Cause I know something there's none of that. We're just talking about it and seeing what results we're getting. And, uh, this is probably the first time in history that that's been possible. Uh, and that's very exciting. There's a lot of bad stuff about it too. Lots of charlatans can set themselves up. Lots of people can steal my business model and try and be me. And it's just terrible and all this, but, but, um, it's, uh, I don't know. That's kind of a long winded explanation because I've had too much coffee, but, but, um, in terms of Satanism and child sacrifice, I, I let me just put you at ease about that. N no one who is sincerely interested in the occult. Uh, is interested in that at all. Let's talk about Crowley first. Crowley mentions, um, he, there's the thing that gets him in trouble is he mentions at one point in his writing that he has, and this is po probably, I don't know, but this is presumably what they brought up in Damien Eccles' trial. Uh, I would have to ask him I, I, or watch the movies, I suppose. But um, he makes a comment at one point because he's Crowley and he was very cheeky that he sacrifices something like 300 children a year. Okay, now what he was actually talking about was um, masturbating. He was talking about sex magic because when he's coming, that could have been a child, right? That's what he actually meant. The thing was, he was talking about it in coded language because that was a secret of the OTO and he was oath bound to not say what he actually meant. So he, he, and he was actually very good about that. And so he... Um, he made it a joke that he thought people would get because he was an extremely erudite English eccentric, right? So that's what he actually meant. Uh, like you, you would assume that no rational person could think that somebody could be running around in London high society and sacrificing 300 children a year, unless you're the queen, but that's another question. Um, but, uh, so he made it, he made a joke out of it and, and assumed people would get it. And they, they, th that's haunt, haunted him ever since in terms of Satanism. Crowley was certainly fascinated with the literary character of Satan um, and the idea of 
But Crowley, you ha- and he wrote quite a bit about the character of Lucifer. He includes uh, hymns to Lucifer and Satan and some of his rituals. But you have to understand with Crowley, what Crowley was always trying to do is unify opposites. That was the fundamental model of his entire worldview. It's u- the unification of opposites so that they, it's like, and he saw it as chemistry. It's like you take a, if you take a principle, Spare was, Austin Spare was very good about this as well. You know, think, and think about it this way. People are, can become obsessed with an idea and they're trapped by it their whole life, right? So let's just take an example. And this is a silly example. It's not a real one, but let's just take the idea of cleanliness. Okay. I mean, theoretically, we know people who become so obsessed with cleanliness that they're so OCD, they have to clean everything all the time and it rules their entire life. Well, the opposite of cleanliness is being dirty, right? And and this is what everyone, some people love to be dirty and some people are terrified of it, right? So for Crowley, he would say, combine them so that like they have a chemical reaction that destroys both ideas. And then you just get, you get rid of the psychological complex and then you don't really get hung up on whether things are too clean or too dirty, right? So, and, and that, this is what Crowley was basically, and he says, this is the whole formula of zero, zero equals two. This is, he was a non-dualist. He was saying that you, Ultimately, what he wanted was to liberate himself from any um, bondage, uh, and and the biggest part of that was the being having fixed ideas um, and that control you. And then he wanted to expand his mind. If your mind is fixed on one side of a duality, it, it's like a wheel that can't turn. So, um, in terms of Satan, uh, now uh, let me go forward. In terms of Satanism, yes, there is a spiritual path called Satanism that Anton LaVey came up with in the 60s as a carny trick. And that, um, and he drew on sources from the 19th century. In the 19th century decadent art world, there were things like uh, J.K. Hoisman's uh, Laba and um, Aubrey Beardsley. And it was very, it's always been this kind of goth decadent thing to, oh, like praise Lucifer and things like this, but in a, in a goth way. You know what I mean? Uh, as an artistic thing, whatever. It's a cheap trick. So there is a thing called Satanism that Anton LaVey came up with where he basically took Ayn Rand and slapped some occult symbols on it and called it a day, which is pretty funny when you realize that modern Satanism is the same as modern Repub- is G- mainstream GOP conservatism. Uh, and because it's all about, you know, like worshiping yourself and stamping on the weak and all that Ayn Rand stuff. Um, and then there were many branches of it, like the Temple of Set, which is actually kind of interesting uh, that Michael Aquino came up with and things like this. But um, I will say, uh, I have never taken Satanism seriously ever. I don't, and I've read all of the stuff. I don't think it's that interesting. The most interesting thing in the entire satanic, it's kind of a gateway drug for metalheads. I don't know. The most interesting thing in the entire satanic occult corpus is the temple of set, which you don't hear much about anymore. And when you really look at them, they're basically just sitting around reading Plato and talking about Plato all day long. It's this kind of intellectual pursuit where they want to be, uh, you know, ultra erudite intellectual supermen. Uh, and, uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how far it goes. Um, so these are, you know, now there are other people that like Satanism, whatever. For me, it's just like, that's kid stuff. That's my personal take on it. Other people like it. It's just like that, that's silly. You know, why would you study that? Like, you know, like, okay. Like if you want, if you're getting like, you know, some people like to study Satanism because they're getting over early Christian programming doing that Crowley thing of combining the two, whatever. I wasn't raised Christian. I was raised basically agnostic. So I don't have a hang up on Christian symbolism. I like Christian symbolism. I don't feel like I have to become a Satanist to get away from Christianity. Um, But some people were raised in fundamentalist communities where they feel they have to do that. Um, But uh, for me, it's like you, you have, if you have, we look, we have five, thousand, 10,000 years of human history of religion. I mean, when you have things like the Pali canon of Buddhism, when you have the Tibetan Buddhist works, when you have um, Advaita Vedanta, when you have some of Crowley's writings, which in the grand scheme of things are, you know, still a little bit, you know, still a little bit gateway, but um, pretty good for hermeticism. Uh, I was very good, probably the best, but um when you we have when we have these profound functioning very difficult spiritual paths why would you like you know why it's just a waste of time like satanism like okay like you know like i was 15 once too 
You know what I mean? It's like, there's, 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 let move on, <laughs> move on. The other thing about Satanism that I've always told people, because well, everyone who's a Satanist is rebelling against Christianity and, um, um, per- perhaps rightly, although I've never been against Christianity, uh, ever. I, I do think that the, the negative parts of Christianity as it manifested, not the actual real Christianity, but when people are burning each other at the stake or having crusades or, you know, like just being crazy evangelicals. I mean, but again, that's, that's what we want. We want to get away from that and get to the message of Christ, which is what Christianity actually is. And nobody ever does that. <laughs> so, um, what was I trying to say? Uh, I, I can't remember. I, I think just, just, I mean, it's like, it's like, why, why, why? Oh, I remember what I was going to say. This is the point that I was, I always make to people. People want to rebel against Christianity by becoming Satanists. It's like, well, you're basically rebelling against the popularity of Star Wars by wearing a Darth Vader costume. You know, it's like, you're still a Christian. You're still stuck in it. Like, get like that's kid stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's just silly to me. You know, read the Pali Canon, study Advaita Vedanta, study Zogchen, study uh, Thalema. I mean, if you want it, something at least a bit more spiritually sophisticated, it's Western. Um, life's too short. Life's too short. We should, if we're going to be spiritual, we should. And I don't say that like out of like, oh, don't be a Satanist. Don't mess with evil forces. Because let me tell you, I can fuck with evil forces like the best of them. <laughs> right. But I do it as a scientist and just to, and, and I, just to see. Um, but, um, and this was long ago, but life's too short. If we're going to be spiritual and we're going to take this seriously, you only have like, let's be realistic. I mean, it takes you what, till you're probably in your mid twenties to even form a brain that works properly. And most people mess, mess it about a little bit with substances beforehand. Um, and then you have pretty much from your your twenties until you know retirement. You're you're if you're in the world, you're working and raising a family. Probably some variation of that. So all your time's taken up, and then you have retirement age, where most people um, are at least begin to be able to fully turn their attention to spirituality. But then um, the body becomes infirm, and it's hard to hold the meditation postures for long time periods of time, and things like this. And you have arthritis, and it hurts, and, and, and so we have actually very, very little time, very little time to truly pursue w- what is real. So don't. My message to people is, don't waste it. Um, we have, you, you know, as the jam said, I think it was the jam. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. It was somebody. It wasn't the jam. It was a different band, but life's too short. We, we have, we think we, we think the average person has 70 years to live. Maybe it's 80 now, but how much of that 80 years is, can you, is actually free to spend on something like meditation? Let's just say not much. You sleep eight hours a day. You got to eat, you got to shit, you got to, you know, perform your duties. You have to do your job. You interact with the people around you. You got to pay bills. You got to pick up the mail. Something goes wrong. The car's broken. You know, I got to get my lawn fixed, all this shit. So how much time do you actually have? So don't waste it on something silly, right? I mean, take it, take it seriously. And, and so I say, um, in my experience, if you're really serious, if you're really serious about spirituality, I think the two things that I've found that are the best, um, if you're a Christian, then pursue Christianity. Um, and I think the, the purer forms like Eastern Orthodoxy are pretty interesting, but I would say the purest form of Christianity is just follow what Christ, if you, if you tabulate up the new Testament, Christ has about 50 things that that he says for people to do. Well, just live your life by those, you know, and, and, and to take it seriously, it's very hard to do, almost impossible. Um, but there's things out there like, um, you know, Theravada Buddhism or um, Kriya Yoga, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. I mean, there are serious heavy duty spiritual paths out there. So, and, and those are ones that I can certainly recommend. But um, anyways, you, you've just given me an opening to ramble. So you talk, I'm, I'm sorry, probably, that's probably not what you wanted to hear, but. That is what I wanted to hear. I just wanted to get your, um your opinions on it because it's, uh, it's become, 
it's in the news with uh, the QAnon. The evangelical church is very, very powerful in America, and they've they've sort of into a duality. Every other kind of thought, you're either with Jesus or against them, and uh, they they're claiming that uh, Satanism is fantastically powerful and and it has to be fought. I, I just don't see it in the occult or really in it. I went through the um, I went through the satanic panic, and to me, it appeared like there was Highway to Hell by ACDC, which is mostly I think the song is mostly about alcoholism. But they jumped that and and made it that that all rock and roll is devil worshiping. But then out of that, you had the birth of real devil worshiping rock and roll, uh, like the. Uh, Norwegian death metal, it sort of was a self-fulfilling prophecy, as far as I, I could tell. And so I'm seeing a sort of similar thing like that going on with, with QAnon, where if you're a Democrat, you're just assumed to be uh, a baby-eating Satanist. I, I don't think that is really a thing at all anywhere. It's an excuse for why the Christian God doesn't seem to have the power to control uh things that happen on earth so it's it's split into du a duality with two equally powerful deities kind of does that make sense yeah it does and 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 there we're we're getting into uh a deeper question right which is so i mean let me head that off at the the at the past right like i i, I struggle to be neither liberal or conservative but to simply be me uh, and that's that's tough because everyone wants to drag you into their team but I will say that, like, having grown up in California uh, with, you know, very liberal parents and and so forth, it's like nobody's freaking sacrificing babies in their basement. They're basically reading the New York Times and being very stressed about Trump, right? Like, that's what liberal, like, you know, and then having, you know, fundraisers for Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's basically what liberals do, right? So, so like, it's just utterly silly. It's just so it's low IQ nonsense, this, this whole QAnon thing. And, and it's, and, and not only that, I will say it's very convenient for the people who are actually in power. If you were, you know, let's say the Koch brothers or Robert Mercer or a conservative financier, or let's say people on wall street who are fucking all of us every day of our lives with mathematical abstractions that always, you know, that are basically carny tricks to take people's money and hard earned work. If you were the 1%, what would you rather have? Would you rather have people doing Occupy Wall Street and Bernie Sanders and saying, actually, we're getting screwed by Wall Street and this stuff that we never voted for and these things like, you know, derivative swaps and all of this stuff that's basically destroying the middle class. All the houses are getting bought up by BlackRock. It's becoming impossible to live because we're getting screwed by um, the, you know, the, the 1%. And um, by the way, I'm not saying I, you know, I'm not subscribing necessarily to that belief because I think it's more complicated than that. But I'm saying that this was a very prevalent belief. Um, you know, Occupy Wall Street was very, 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 very frightening for the power elite. WikiLeaks was very frightening. The internet is very frightening. The Arab Spring, extremely frightening. Um, Bernie Sanders, very frightening. So if you were in power, what would you rather have? Would you rather people say, make an actual somewhat clean economic analysis of power, like a Marxist analysis, which is capital is screwing everyone, or would you rather have them say, Democrats are sacrificing babies in the basement of Comet Ping Pong and Satan runs the world and they're getting adrenochrome and all this gibberish. Like, you're safe if they're talking gibberish because none of that's real. But once they start talking about you know, why are people allowed to do derivative swaps and sell, you know, debt as, as, uh, as uh, a product and things like this? It's, 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 uh, well, that's real. Because let me tell you, I mean, if you want to know who runs the world, I'll tell you exactly where to go. The public library. Because you will find every, if you have a good public library, like if you're in a large city, you will find if you go through the records and the, you know, just academic works or just works on politics, you know, actual books, you will find everything you need to know about how you're being screwed over every day of your life by absurd political systems, by absurd financial systems, by corporations that dump 
pollution into the rivers uh, and our food um, and are have no recourse from legal action and have essentially structured the system in this house of cards so they have all the power and we have none. You, you can find all that out. And there's not going to be anything about baby-eating lizard people adrenochrome drinkers. There's just going to be stuff about um, very wealthy and powerful people who are powerful enough that they get to be the ones that write the rule book. So they write the rule book. So it benefits only them. That's what you're going to find. You're going to find out about human greed, right? It's really like, that's the big conspiracy. It's like when people get power, they use it for themselves. I mean, that's nature in a way. I mean, that's in, in a sense. So, um, now in terms of the satanic panic, I mean, this is something deeper than, this is something very American and it goes back to the founding of the country and the witch burnings and the middle ages and the fact that the people who came over here were not, you know, in, in the words of Donald Trump, you know, the people who came from Europe to America, they're not sending their best, you know? So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're talking about like people who were snake charmers and snake handlers and, and, you know, people like, that's the thing when I was writing the John D book, you know, like people talk about all these modern Christian denominations, like they're respectable things like Presbyterianism, Methodists, things like that. Well, in, in the Protestant Reformation, the Presbyterians were basically crazy snake handlers. Right. And then they came here because nobody wanted to deal with that shit in England. So, um, this is America and, and it's always been like this. And so it, I, you know, I grew up in the satanic panic. Uh, I was a kid in the satanic panic. Um, the police would come to our classrooms to give us handouts about how, if, you know, we ever played dungeons and dragons, people in robes were going to take us to rooms and fuck us and molest us, you know, and all this stuff. You wonder how I turned out this way. It's just like, totally like the, as I look back, it's like the most insane, screwed up like psychological it's like what the hell like this is not what you tell kids like it's just like but i remember like i grew so i grew up in san diego there was one very very sad case um of a guy named some may some people may remember but probably not there was a guy named dale akiki who was a jan uh, a janitor at uh preschools he was a janitor at uh, preschools in San Diego or elementary schools, something like that. And the satanic panic thing was in full swing. This is like 1991, which is not that long ago, but it's, it's, it's only a few years before the World Wide Web. So, but people didn't have the internet. They couldn't look stuff up. So, um, this guy had a, I forget the name of the syndrome, but he, uh, has a, uh, had, I think he's still alive, but he had a, uh, bone deformity where he looked very strange. Uh, like his face was a little bit flat. He was short. His his bones were kind of contorted. So he looked very strange. Um, now, now he was a Christian uh, and his wife was a Christian, but he was basically a janitor at the school. So during the 80s and the early 90s, there the, one of the reasons the satanic panic happened was because hypnotherapy became very popular in therapy. So all of these psychologists and child psychologists and things like this who were getting a lot of work post seventies where therapy became very popular and things like this. And if your kid's acting out, take them to the child psychologist. So the child psychologist would hypnotize the kids to say, well, you know, what's going on. And then as we know now, you should never do because people are utterly susceptible under hypnotic trance. They would ask leading questions like, has anyone ever touched you? Have you ever seen Satanists? Have you ever been abducted? This is also where alien abductions came from. They would start asking people about alien abductions. And when you're, when you're hypnotized, as we know, if you do a lot of magic, you know, your brain will come up with things when you put yourself in trance. So these kids are saying like, yes, you know, now, and, and think of the power differential. We have like a five-year-old and like a 55-year-old, right? So the kid is always going to want to please the adult no matter what and tell them what they want to hear. So the kids are like, yes. And so, so under hypnotherapy, under trance, these, uh, you know, pre-adolescent children, innocent, um, started making up these stories not it's not their fault they're kids they have overactive imaginations anyways uh they have imaginations but they're now they're hypnotized start making up these stories about oh yeah like uh when the teacher is is out of uh the, the room daily kiki comes in and molests us he has tunnels underneath the room there's always this subterranean thing which is, is similar to QAnon, which there must be some freudian thing about the unconscious being represented by the subterranean but you know they would say daily kiki has tunnels that he's dug under the school and when the teacher is out of the room for five minutes he'll bring up endangered zoo animals like he'll bring up a giraffe and sacrifice it in front of us uh because uh, he's because he's worshiping satan it's just like utterly ludicrous things like but things that a kid would come up with 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah, he has a tunnel that he brings giraffes out of. So, instead of doing the obvious thing where people would say, like, you know, this is, you know, know, we need to at least, let's investigate this at least to see if anything's going on. Um, What did they do? The entire city witch hunted Dele Kiki and went crazy. And they're like, yeah, he and just just jumped to the conclusion. But people do this now with the internet. But, you know... It, they basically were like, burn the village, burn the, burn the witch. And the entire, he, they drummed him, they fired him. He couldn't work. Everyone in the whole city and then wider in the country was talking about how Dele Kiki is a Satanist child molester. And they basically scapegoated this person with a um, birth deformity. It's real gross, right? It's just, it's just, and, and, uh, you know, luckily he managed to survive. I mean, I don't, he couldn't work. Um, uh, I read an article about, you know, he was still living in San Diego 20 years later and not, not very well off, obviously. Um, but it was just trial, trial and judge, jury and executioner by public opinion, which is still what people are like. And no, it was completely false. There was no, uh, no substance to it whatsoever. Other than the fact that this guy looked different, you know, the Damien Eccles thing is, is a similar thing. You know, people are not sophisticated. They're like, well, that person looks different. They're doing something I don't understand. Let's project everything we don't like about ourselves onto him. Right? And, and that's a very important dynamic to understand, shadow projection. And this is what the Christians are doing now. You know, it's like, oh, well, there must be these, you know, Satanists out in the world. That project. That's the hilarious thing. I mean, Christians forever have been making up that there are Satanist pedophiles everywhere. Well, who's doing, who's molesting kids? The Catholic, the priests. The Catholic Church, so they project it outside. You know, we know that for for real. It's the priests molesting the children, and not just Catholics across denominations. They're the ones doing it. So they, but they project it outwards. Oh, it couldn't have been me. No, it's it's. Oh, there's these Satanists everywhere. We're the good guys. No, you're not. <laughs> the, in 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 uh, something I always talk about is if people remember in the early here's more early '90s shit because I'm. I'm middle-aged now, but, um, in the, uh, in the early nineties, uh, Sinead O'Connor, who's has one of the best voices in probably pop music history. Um, her, her son recently died. It's very sad. Um, went on Saturday night live and at the end of her performance, ripped up a picture, picture of the Pope on stage and said, fight the real enemy. People went insane and they, they, you know, they drummed her. They basically canceled her. She couldn't work. Uh, everyone was, did an outrage mob. Concerned Catholics around the world are outraged and offended. I'm so offended. I'm so, well, look, I mean, if he's the representative God of God, I mean, how, how is somebody ripping up a picture of him going to hurt him, you know? So, but of course people did do this dance. I'm so offended. You have to do, you now have to do everything, all my emotional demands so that I'm not upset anymore. This, I love when people do this, but the opposite of love it, um, emotional terrorism. So, but the thing was, at the time, people didn't actually know widely about sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. It's only recently we found out about that. Now, Sinead O'Connor's from Ireland. Now people know that um, that uh, if you look at the actual if you look at the actual data and the projections of sexual abuse in Ireland by cl- by Catholic clergy, the sexual abuse rate in Ireland was like a, one. I'm not j- joking. Like 100 percent. 100% of the population by the Catholic Church, right? So, if you're looking for satanic uh, pedophiles, I recommend starting with uh, the people say, the people saying that they're satanic pedophiles. It's not just the Catholic Church, right? It's not just Christianity even. It's, it seems to be something about organized religion, but um, the Catholic Church and also the other denominations uh, seem to be particularly um, uh, culpable. So, but this is shadow projection and we have to watch this dynamic in ourselves because it's very easy to take the things you don't like about yourself and find something in the world that makes you, that seems like them. And then you think, well, if I destroy that, then the bad feelings will go away. And, and this is responsible for, um, many failed relationships. It is responsible for witch burnings. It's probably uh, responsible for the Holocaust. You know, there's lots of, lots of things went wrong in the Holocaust, but, but at, at its, at its base, it's like, well, those people, you know, if we just get rid, those people are the source of all the problems. So if we get rid of them, we'll be fine. Well, those people are just trying to live. 
but what's happening is you're projecting your um, imagination of, of what you think is wrong with the world on them. And this is something very problematic about, I will say, unsophisticated Christianity. Um, what you're talking about where you have these Christians in, you know, QAnon saying, positing this epic Star Wars battle between them and the forces of darkness um, is actually not Christianity. It's Manichaean, Manichaeanism. Right. So pre previous to Christianity, actually previous to Judaism, I believe um, the first, yeah, previous to Judaism, the, the first monotheistic religion was Manichaean. Well, there was Zoroastrianism and then uh, Manichaeanism, uh, the laws of, of Manu. And this was the in the Middle East. And it was posited that there are two forces in the world. Um, uh, uh, I think or Aramans and uh, or Ormaz or something like that. So, but it's just like good and evil and that you can explain the world that there are these two contending forces, good and evil that are constantly battling and we constantly have to be battle evil on the good side. Well, this is a very childlike understanding of the world because people aren't good or evil. They're messy. They're complicated. Good and evil are basically human conceptions anyways. Um, and uh, what is, and, and by the way, what, what is the message of Christ? Is it, we have to destroy the Satanists? He doesn't even talk, you know, other than the temptation in the desert. He doesn't even talk about Satan. Christ says, love your brother as yourself and forgive each other as I have forgiven you. That's the message. The message of Christ is Christ comes to give the 11th commandment. Love your brother as yourself. That's it. And basically, all I've paid for your debts. I mean, basically, the message of Christ is that the sin, the, the sin of humanity is paid for on the cross. Um, and so, the least you is it's paid for, which is profound. And essentially, what he says is the least you can do, because the Old Testament is all these rules are put down and no one can follow them. So finally, God's like, okay, look, <laughs> let's just make it easy for you. All right, the debt is paid. The debt's paid on the cross. Right. But the least you can do, if you can't follow all the other rules, I mean, you should, but if you can't follow all the other rules, like don't kill each other, don't steal, don't covet your neighbor's wife, all of this, you know, like it, it's just understood at that point. It's like people may try to follow those rules, but it's not going to work all the time, right? Because people are people. We're essentially animals. We're part animal, part divine, but mostly animal. So we have impulses. It's we're human beings, right? So, um, so the message of Christ is the debt is paid. It's paid on the cross. But the least you can do is forgive each other as I have forgiven you. Like, I'm, I forgive you, but the least you can do is forgive each other to follow my example, right? And love your brother as yourself. That's what Christ says. He doesn't say we need to destroy the Democrat pedophiles. <laughs> like, that's all. That's all. That's why I'm saying, I say Christian heresy. All these ideas that are drawn in. If you want Christianity, that's Christianity. And, and the whole message of Christ is, and, and of St. Paul actually, is that the covenant is open to the entire world. Nobody is excluded. And that, and that, that there's no, um, as the Eastern Orthodox told me, it's, you know, the greatest lie is, they, the Eastern Orthodox had an interesting take on it. They said, devil in Greek is diabolo. And the meaning of diabolo is to divide, to divide people or divide, divide from God. What is the world now but division? Right? So... Um, to, to, and, and the primary way and people are divided is that they think that they're unworthy of forgiveness. That's what divides them I, in the Christian conception from God. So the Orthodox would tell me, you know, the greatest lie of the devil is that there's um, sins that are so bad that they can't be forgiven. That will divide you from God. But Christ says that's not the case. Everyone, everyone is forgiven if they accept it. So, um, but, so the message of Christianity is universal, universal salvation, universal for forgiveness. And, um, but what we see with the, the right in America, and I do recommend studying Chris Hedges, who's a political writer, but he's also, I think, um, I forget which, uh, he's, he's a, hardcore lefty political writer, but he's a priest. He's also a, he's a priest in a, I forget which branch, but he's constantly, he's constantly criticizing the American right. And he says that his whole point is when fascism comes to America, as H.L. Mencken put it, it will come draped in a flag. But 
it, well, it will come holding a cross and draped in a flag, right? And um, I don't know if I totally agree with that because we've seen with Trump, it's not necessarily all religious, but certainly it is with the QAnon thing. And so Chris Hedges is always saying, it's like, you know, look, we're going to end up with the theocratic fascism in America if we're not careful. And I think it's very possible. We're seeing it right now. Um, the, the, the march toward it and the, the Democrats, although they're not Satanists, they're certainly dropping the ball on almost all of their political duties. And I, I think the Democrats are not Satanists, but essentially in the position of the Weimar government in Germany prior to Hitler. So, you know, culpable by lack of bravery, essentially. So I think that, um, but he make, he he is criticizing the right from um, a pastoral perspective, and he's making it a, a hardcore economic lefty argument. But he's also doing it a religious argument. And his argument, which I think is fascinating, is Christianity in America. Christians in America are heretics. They're heretics. It's not Christianity. It's this swamp mix of nonsense and Manichaean ideas and Ayn Rand and prosperity gospel and Democrats are Satanists and just it's just insanity. Apocalypticism, uh, millennial literalism, um, this idea that we have to bring about the apocalypse, which comes about from the Schofield Bible in the early part of the 20th century. And, you know, we all have to support Israel so that, you know, Jesus can come back when the nuclear, you know, Armageddon happens and, you know, which is bizarre and, and, uh, and, and, and ultimately anti-Semitic because um, hardcore apocalyptic Christians think that all the Jews have to be converted so that Jesus can come back. And that's why the support is real. And just, it's just, it, it's a, it's a swamp morass of, of insanity and, uh, the opposite of probably the very simple message of Christ. So anyways, you've gotten me to ramble again. Uh, but that's my thoughts. Thank you, Jason.